How about if we give glory to God again? Aren't you guys grateful for our worship band as well? Instruments in the hands of God. I actually think that Easter is the best Sunday of the year. I think that every Sunday is important. Don't, don't get me wrong. Every Sunday is important. There's a reason why we gather every Sunday. But there's something unique about Easter because on Easter, we really celebrate the death of death. We remember that because Jesus resurrected, death was defeated. But also, everything that was dead in me was also defeated. So what I want to do with you for the next few minutes, I want to share with you why is it that for me, Easter is the best Sunday of the year. And why is it that Easter for me is so significant? So what I'm trying to do is, I want you to believe what I believe. Now, someone would say, some modern people would say, well, that's not respectful of personal beliefs. And I would say, no, it is because I respect you that I want you to believe what I believe. Because it is only normal that if you have found something that you love, something that you value, something that has changed your life, it is the most natural thing to want to share that with others. It is the most natural thing for us to want to brag about the things that has changed our lives. Actually, I want to make the argument that every single one of you is a bragger by profession, bragger by nature. So if you're a parent or or grandparent, you brag about those kids. And believe me, sometimes you shouldn't be bragging about those kids. <laughs> See, if you love your work or you have hobbies, you brag about that stuff. That's why you talk so much about that. If you are in love, you talk about that person a lot. There it is. <laughs> if you got social media, you are a bragger by nature. Even though sometimes I see stuff there that I'm like, oh, you shouldn't brag about that. It is the most natural thing for us to brag about the things that we value, we love, and the things that have changed our lives. And I believe that Easter is one of those messages. It's one of those days in which we get to brag, not only that Jesus died, but that Jesus resurrected. Now, let me share with you why is it that for me this is so important. Not only because it is God, the one that died and resurrected, but it's that that God died and resurrected to make of me a new creation. And I'm borrowing this concept from Paul, from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So what I'm going to do for the next five minutes, not five minutes, five hours, <laughs> I want to give you five I am's of why is it that I believe that being a new creation is the best thing about Easter. And not just about me, but the creation itself. So I'm going to give you five I am's. Number one, it is because Jesus died and resurrected that I'm truly new. Did you notice in chapter 2 of Corinthians, chapter 5, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, right at the end? The phrase says, the all has gone, the new is here. Notice that it doesn't say that a believer is someone that is improved. Someone that is the same old self but now improved. No, 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 no. What the Bible says is that because Jesus died and resurrected, and if we have placed our faith in him, we truly are new. We have a new nature, and we live under a new reality. We are not just improved. We are new. 
Now, I don't know if you have ever taken a class on marketing. I took one in college ages ago, and one of the things that they taught us was that if you wanted to sell an old product and make people feel that it was a new product, all you have to do is change the packaging and put something like new and improved. So you go to the store, you grab whatever you like, and it says new and improved, and you're like, whoa, new, more expensive. It must be good until you use it, and it's exactly the same old thing. <laughs> Have you ever been in a restaurant? No offense for those of you that owns restaurants, in which it says under new management. And you have been in that restaurant before, and you, the food was just terrible. So now that it says new management, you go back over there because you assume that new management means new food. But what happened is that the old man, manager retired. The new manager is the son of the old guy. <laughs> so they never changed the chef. The food is still lame. <laughs> Christianity is not like that. Easter is about Jesus resurrecting to give us a new reality, a new nature. We are no longer the same person that we were before. Easter is the celebration of the new. Number two, not only I'm new, but I'm truly free. Because Jesus resurrected, I'm truly free. And the question is, free of what? I think that we all agree that one of the things that we struggle with is guilt and shame. I think that we would all agree that we have done wrong things and we regret certain things and that sometimes we wish we could go back in time to fix the things that we have done wrong. Guilt and shame is powerful. Actually, guilt and shame is so powerful that, that it doesn't matter how much you try to maybe outweigh good for evil. It's just never enough. Guilt and shame is still there. But thanks to Jesus... Because he resurrected from the dead. Look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17 says. If Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sin. But because Jesus resurrected is the ultimate evidence that the Father accepted that sacrifice as enough. Therefore, when Jesus died and Jesus resurrected, I died and resurrected with him. I'm already free of guilt, free of sin, free of shame. There is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ, says Romans chapter 8. I am a new creation because I am no longer bound to my sin, my guilt, or my shame. I am a new creation because I am no longer defined by my sin, my guilt, or my shame. I am a new creation because I have been set free. Easter is the celebration of freedom. Not only I'm new, not only I'm free, but I'm someone. I would argue that one of the main struggles we have as human beings is trying to prove and know that we have value, dignity, and identity. And depending on your upbringing, and depending on the context in which you grew or the context in which you live, there is always this temptation to either build your identity and what people say, tradition of you, or what you say and feel, modern view. And I want to make the argument that there's a ton of problems with those two uh, positions or views. See, if you are defined for what, uh, by what people say, your family, your ethnicity, your community, the tradition of you, then you are always constantly seeking for the approval of others to feel that you're somebody. 
Your identity is not something you own. It's something they own, and that's not a way to live. You are the product of a cultural narrative. But on the other hand, if you are part of the modern view, you would say, well, I don't like that. I'm going to base my identity based on what I say I am and I feel I am. You know what the problem is with that one, though? That your opinions about yourself change constantly. Yet your desires sometimes contradict one another. That your feelings are not trustworthy. Therefore, you really don't have a true identity. You know what makes that even more complicated? That even if you say that you don't need anyone's opinion deep down inside, you do like people's opinions. You know why I say that? Because we are created as relational beings. We need people to speak truth into our lives. Isn't that the reason why many of you have social media? You post something, and within minutes, you go back to see if someone gave you a like. And you don't care about what people think. You know what makes this complicated? That you are trying to be defined by what you think is right and what you feel is right. And at the same time, you're struggling because you want to be defined by others. There's got to be a different way. Praise God that there's another way because Jesus resurrected. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. That word justification is extremely important. It might be one of the most important words in the Bible. It has two meanings. It means that uh, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, because he died and resurrected, if you have placed your faith in him, God the Father not only forgives you, but he sees you in Jesus because Jesus is in you. Therefore, however he loves Jesus, he loves you. However he treats Jesus, he will treat you because once again, you have been justified, declared righteous, clean, pure, forgiven. You are in Jesus and Jesus is in you. But there's more. Because if you have been justified, then you have a new status. You are no longer the same person. God sees you in Jesus. Therefore, you have union with Jesus. And I want to make the argument that that's where identity, that's where the, uh, the ultimate identity comes from. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, matter what people think of you. Even what you think of you. What matters is what God thinks of you. And I'm going to give you a perfect illustration here. As many of you know, that part of the church, that a few months ago I did a, a, this trip to Albania and Greece and other places with a couple of few pastors from the church. Um, and we're driving from Albania to Greece. And when we get to the borderline, we're supposed to uh, stop by the immigration um, place. And what they do in the immigration place is they ask for your passwords. And then what they do with the passwords is they check it. They check your name. They check your face. They stamp it, and they give it back to you. Now, in this trip, I, one of the pastors I went with was, two of the pastors I went with was Bill and Kyle. How many of you guys know those pastors? They're all right. Um, <laughs> so Bill goes first. So the guy looks at Bill, looks at the password, stamp it, gives it back to him. And then I hear that he called my name, Hannibal. Now, he's got an accent, so I don't know if he was calling me. But I heard that he called me. 
So I, I move toward the, to, for, the, for the window. He, he opens my password. He looks at me. He looks at my password, stamp it, and give it back to me. When I'm walking away from the window, I open it, and it is Kyle's passport. <laughs> Church, listen. I'm brown. <laughs> He's not. He's got long blonde hair. I got short gray hair. He's got a weird accent. I have a cool one. I'm good looking. And he's good looking too. You see how quick you were to, you guys are so sinful, judging right from the beginning. So I look at Kyle and I said, look, I got your pastor. And we both start laughing and he says something so true. That pastor, that, 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 that uh, passport changed everything about you. You see, that person didn't care if I was brown, short, short hair, long hair. He didn't care. All he cared was that my password says that I'm American. How about if I tell you that as Christians we have something much better than that? That as Christians we have much better than an American password. That as Christians we have been justified, therefore we have a new identity. And that God thinks the best of you because you are in Jesus and Jesus is in you. Easter is the celebration of a new identity. So not only I am new, not only I'm free, not only I am somebody, but I'm also on a mission. See, the New Testament always makes a connection between the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Actually, theologians would talk and would say that in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it was the inauguration, the beginning of something new, a new age, a new kingdom, a new, uh, a new time. But that when Jesus comes back, it'll be the culmination and the uh, perfection of everything that he already started. So if you want to know what our future is going to look like, all you have to do is think about Matthew 13, in which he says that there will be no more evil in the world, only peace, joy, and harmony. Pay attention to Revelation chapter 21, in which he says that there's not going to be any sickness, crying, or pain, only health and flourishing. In Hebrews chapter 12 says that humanity will be made perfect. No more sin, no more pride, insecurity, jealousy, discrimination, racism, competition, and indifference. And in Romans chapter 8 says that the creation itself will be liberated from the bondage of decay. No more natural disasters. And I could say much more about what is coming. But the point is this. That the resurrection is the first fruit, say the Bible, of what is yet to come. That because Jesus resurrected, we know that believers at one point will resurrect and that the creation in its totality will be completely restored and reconciled, says Colossians chapter 1. Now, Paul makes this argument and then he says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand Firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That's my vision. That's my mission. That's my purpose. My job as a new believer, as a new creation, is to work. Work for the Lord, to do the work of the Lord, that if my future brings peace and joy and harmony, 
That's what I'm supposed to work here. That's what I'm supposed to pursue here because I want to contribute to what the Lord is doing and will do. See, if my future is about health and flourishing, that's what I'm supposed to work here. And that's what I'm supposed to do here because I want to contribute to what the Lord is doing. If my future is about reconciliation and restoration and love and peace and all these things, that's what I do here. That's what I pursue here because I want to contribute to the reconciliation of all things. I actually believe that this is the only way that you escape cynicism and idealism. Did the cynic looks at the world and everything that is broken and says, there's no hope. Everything is going down. And the idealist looks at everything that is wrong and says, we can change the world. The problem with the cynic is that he's forgetting that in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he already started to make all things new. Therefore, there is hope. But for the idealist, it's also a reminder that perfection cannot be accomplished here only when Jesus returns. Only Christianity, because Jesus died and resurrected, tells you that you have a mission and you have a purpose. You get to contribute to what the Lord is doing here. Easter is a celebration of mission and purpose. Not only I'm new, not only I'm free, not only I'm somebody, not only I have a mission and purpose, but also I am secure. How about if I tell you that the resurrection of Jesus Christ guarantees that what the Lord started, he is going to finish. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, until he comes back. I am secure. Whatever the Lord started, he's going to finish. Easter is the celebration of certainty. How about if I tell you this, church? That whatever the Lord is going to bring and whatever the Lord is doing in us and through us was always God's original design for you and this creation. If you want to know what this world was supposed to be, if you want to know what you were supposed to be, you just look at Genesis chapter 1 and 2. A place of peace, joy, harmony, health, a flourishing, perfect relationship, the creation full of the glory and beauty of God. You know why Jesus died and resurrected? To make of you the person you were meant to be. And to make of this creation what this creation was always meant to be. Sometimes I wonder, what would my last words be to my family right before I die? And I pray that if I get the chance, I'll get to say something like this. You get to cry, but cry with hope, because I'm going to see you later. I'm going to see you at home. And the next time you see me, you will get a much better version of me. And you will get a beautiful, perfected version of this creation. And we will get to enjoy the uninterrupted presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this is not a goodbye. It's a see you later. That's why we celebrate Easter.
On Friday, Jesus would exchange his glory for a cross. Would exchange beauty for pain. Would exchange peace for a broken heart. Would exchange harmony for separation. Would exchange joy for deformation. Why? So we get Sunday. So in his resurrection, there will be a death to death. He would defeat the devil, dead, and he would also defeat what is dead in me. That's why we celebrate Easter. Do you have that? Is that what moves you? You need that. Let's pray. Two thousand years ago, Lord, what seemed like a defeat was actually the beginning of something new. What seemed like to like, what seemed like to see a broken Savior was just the beginning of something beautiful. I pray, Lord, that you this Easter you allow us to see the magnitude. And the beauty and the power that not only Jesus died, but he resurrected. To make of all of us, if we have placed our faith in you. To make of all of us. New creatures. With a new nature. Living under a new reality. Being completely set free. Having a dignity that cannot be taken away. Having a vision and a purpose and a mission in this creation. And being completely secure because whatever you started, you will finish. Please help us believe that. Because at the end of the day, that's exactly why Jesus died and resurrected. The dead of dead and the dead of everything that is dead in me. I pray for all of this in the name of Jesus, and we all say...